0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Um, yeah. Chapter 8. A lot of people don't believe in curses. A lot of people don't believe in yellow-spotted lizards either. But if one bites you, it doesn't make a difference whether you believe in it or not. Actually, it's kind of odd that scientists named the lizard after its yellow spots. Each lizard has exactly 11 yellow spots, but the spots are hard to see on its yellow-green body. The lizard is from 6 to 10 inches long and has big red eyes. In truth, its eyes are yellow, and it's the skin around the eyes which is red. But everyone always speaks of its red eyes. It also has black teeth and a milky white tongue. Looking at one, you would have thought it should have been named a red-eyed lizard, or a black-toothed lizard, or perhaps a white-tongued lizard. If you've ever been close enough to see the yellow spots, you're probably dead. The yellow-spotted lizards like to live in holes, which offer shade from the sun and protection from predatory birds. Up to 20 lizards may live in one hole. They have strong, powerful legs and can leap out of very deep holes to attack their prey. They eat small animals, insects, certain cactus thorns, and the shells of sunflower seeds. That last one already sounds like a problem. Stanley stood in the shower and let the cold water pour over his hot and sore body. It was four minutes of heaven. For the second day in a row, he didn't use soap. He was too tired. There was no roof over the shower building, and the walls were raised up six inches off the ground except in the corners. There was no drain in the floor. The water ran out under the walls and quickly evaporated in the sun. He put on his clean set of orange clothes. He returned to his tent, put his duty clothes in his crate, got out his pen and box of stationery, and headed to the rec room. A sign on the door said, Wreck room. Nearly everything in the room was broken. The TV, the pinball machine, the furniture. Even the people looked broken, with their worn out bodies sprawled over the various chairs and sofas. X-ray and armpit were playing pool. The surface of the table reminded Stanley of the surface of a lake. It was full of bumps and holes because so many people had carved their initials into the felt. There was a hole in the far wall, and an electric fan had been placed in front of it. Cheap air conditioning. At least the fan worked. As Stanley made his way across the room, he tripped over an outstretched leg. Hey, watch it, said an orange lump on the chair. You watch it, muttered Stanley, too tired to care. What'd you say? The lump demanded. Nothing, said Stanley. The lump rose. He was almost as big as Stanley and a lot tougher. You said something. He poked his fat finger in Stanley's neck. What did you say? A crowd quickly formed around him. Be cool, said X-Ray. He put his hand on Stanley's shoulder. You don't want to mess with the caveman, he warned. The caveman's cool, said Ormpit. I'm not looking for trouble, Stanley said. I'm just tired, that's all. The lump grunted. X-Ray and Armpit led Stanley over to a couch. Squid slid over to make room as Stanley sat down. Did you see the caveman back there? X-Ray asked. The caveman's one tough dude, said Squid, and he lightly punched Stanley's arm. Stanley leaned back against the torn vinyl upholstery. Despite his shower, his body still radiated heat. I wasn't trying to start anything, he said. The last thing he wanted to do after killing himself all day on the lake was to get in a fight with a boy called The Caveman. He was glad X-Ray and Armpit had come to his rescue. Well, how'd you like your first hole? asked Squid. Stanley groaned, and the other boys laughed. Well, the first hole's the hardest, said Stanley. No way, said X-Ray. The second hole's a lot harder. You're hurting before you even get started. If you think you're sore now, just wait and see how you feel tomorrow morning, right? That's right, said Squid. Plus, the fun's gone, said X-Ray. The fun? asked Stanley. Don't lie to me, said X-Ray. I bet you always wanted to dig a big hole, right? Am I right? Stanley had never really thought about it before. But he knew better than to tell X-Ray he wasn't right. Every kid in the world wants to dig a great big hole, said X-Ray. To China, right? Right, said Stanley. See what I mean, said X-Ray. That's what I'm saying. But now the fun's gone. And you still gotta do it again and again and again. Camp fun and games, said Stanley. What's in the box, asked Squid. Stanley had forgotten he had brought it. Uh, paper. I was going to write a letter to my mother. Your mother? Laughed Squid. She'll worry if I don't. Stanley looked around the room. This was the one place in camp where the boys could enjoy themselves. And what'd they do? They wrecked it. The glass on the TV was smashed as if someone had put their foot through it. Every table and chair seemed to be missing at least one leg. Everything leaned. He waited to write the letter until Squid had gotten up and joined the game of pool. Dear Mom, Today was my first day at camp, and I've already made some friends. We've been out on the lake all day, so I'm pretty tired. Once I pass the swimming test, I'll get to learn how to water ski. I. He stopped writing as he became aware that someone was reading over his shoulder. He turned to see Zero, standing behind the couch. I don't want her to worry about me, he explained. Zero said nothing. He just stared at the letter with a serious, almost angry look on his face. Stanley slipped it back into the stationery box. Did the shoes have red X's on the back? Zero asked him. It took Stanley a moment, but then he realized Zero was asking about Clyde Livingston's shoes. Yes, they did, he said. He wondered how Zero knew that. Brand X was a popular brand of sneakers. Maybe Clyde Livingston made a commercial for him. Zero stared at him for a moment, with the same intensity at which he had been staring at the letter. Stanley poked his finger through a hole in the vinyl couch and pulled out some of the stuffing. He wasn't aware of what he was doing. Come on, caveman. Dinner, said Armpit. You coming, caveman? said Squid. Stanley looked around to see the armpit and squid were talking to him. Uh, sure, he said. He put the piece of stationery back in the box, then got up and followed the boys out to the table. The lump wasn't the caveman. He was. He shrugged his left shoulder. It was better than barf bag. So, before I get to the next chapter, I remember when I was like... Eight seven, eight. I got beat up. I got beat up by an 11-year-old kid. I got beat up by an 11-year-old kid named Tarzan. And it wasn't even my fault that I got beat up. See, nobody told me the kid's name was Tarzan. Like, these are things that you should warn people about before they go walking out the street in the 80s singing songs. And nobody told me the kid's name was Tarzan. And so, I was walking down the street, minding my own business, being me, being Derek, being cool, singing. Tarzan the monkey man, swinging on a rubber band, along came Donkey Kong and knocked him in a garbage can. In hindsight, it's a stupid song, but it's a song, and everybody knew the song, and I didn't know that there was a kid named Tarzan who lived near us. I'm eight. My brother knew that there was a kid named Tarzan. The reason why my brother knew that there was a kid named Tarzan is because my brother was friends with this kid named Tarzan and they went to school together. My brother didn't tell me about Tarzan. And so, I'm walking down the street singing about Tarzan the monkey man who was swinging on a rubber band. And along came a right hook. And I got beat up. And my brother just watched. I think he didn't want to choose between his friend's it wasn't even a choice. That's why I didn't put me at the end. He didn't want to choose to beat up his friend. So I went home and I told. And he got in trouble. And that was the last time I sang that song. I switched to uh, Jingle Bell's Batman Smells. And folks would ask me why I was singing it in like November. And i just look over at Tarzan and just grimace. I'm proud of myself for telling that story without cussing. Because Tarzan can get these fists. Chapter 10 Stanley had no trouble falling asleep, but morning came much too quickly. Every muscle and joint in his body ached as he tried to get out of bed. He didn't think it was possible, but his body hurt more than it had the day before. It wasn't just his arms and back, but his legs, ankles, and waist also hurt. The only thing that got him out of bed was knowing that every second he wasted meant he was one second closer to the rising of the sun. He hated the sun. He could hardly lift a spoon during breakfast, and then he was out on the lake, his spoon replaced by a shovel. He found a crack in the ground and began his second hole. He stepped on the shovel blade and pushed on the very back of the shaft with the base of his thumb. This hurt less than trying to hold the shaft with his blistered fingers. As he dug, he was careful to dump the dirt far away from the hole. He needed to save the area around the hole for when his hole was much deeper. He didn't know if he'd ever get that far. X-ray was right. The second hole was the hardest. It would take a miracle. As long as the sun wasn't out yet, he removed his cap and used it to help protect his hands. Once the sun rose, he would have to put it back on his head. His neck and forehead had been badly burned the day before. He took it one shovel full at a time and tried not to think of an awesome task that laid ahead of him. After an hour or so, his sore muscles seemed to loosen up a little bit. He grunted as he tried to stick his shovel into the dirt. His cap slipped out from under his fingers, and the shovel fell free. He let it lie there. He took a drink from his canteen. He guessed that the water truck should be coming soon, but he didn't finish all the water, just in case he was wrong. He learned to wait until he saw the truck before drinking the last drop. The sun wasn't up yet but his rays arced over the horizon and brought light to the sky. He reached down to pick up his cap, and there next to it, he saw a wide, flat rock. As he put his cap on his head, he continued to look down at the rock. He picked it up. He thought he could see the shape of a fish fossilized in it. He rubbed off some dirt, and the outline of the fish became clearer. The sun peeked over the horizon, and he could actually see tiny lines where every one of the fish's bones had been. He looked at the barren land all around him. True, everyone referred to this area as the lake, but it was still hard to believe that this dry wasteland was once full of water. Then he remembered what Mr. Sura and Mr. Pendanski had both said. If he dug up anything interesting, he should report it to one of them. If the warden liked it, he would get the rest of the day off. He looked back down at his fish. He had found his miracle. He continued to dig, though very slowly, as he waited for the water truck. He didn't want to bring attention to his find, afraid that one of the other boys might try and take it from him. He tossed the rock face down beside his dirt pile as if it had no special value. A short while later, he saw the cloud of dirt heading across the lake. The truck stopped and the boys lined up. They always lined up in the same order, Stanley realized, no matter who got there first. X-Ray was always at the front of the line. Then came Armpit, Squid, Zigzag, Magnet, and Zero. Stanley got in line behind Zero. He was glad to be at the back, so no one would notice a fossil. His pants had very large pockets, but the rock still made a bulge. Mr. Pendansky filled each boy's canteen, until Stanley was the only one left. I found something," Stanley said, taking it out of his pocket. Mr. Pendansky reached for Stanley's canteen, but Stanley handed him the rock instead. "What's this?" "It's a fossil," said Stanley. "See the fish." Mr. Pendansky looked at it again. "See." "You can even see all of its little bones," said Stanley. "Interesting," said Mr. Pendansky. "Let me have your canteen." Stanley handed it to him. Mr. Pendansky filled it, then returned it. So, do I get the rest of the day off? What for? You know, you said if I found something interesting, the warden would give me the day off. Mr. Pendansky laughed as he gave the fossil back to Stanley. Sorry, Stanley, the warden isn't interested in fossils. Let me see that, said Magnet, taking the rock from Stanley. Stanley continued to stare at Mr. Pendanski. Hey Zig, dig this rock. Cool, said Zigzag. Stanley saw his fossil being passed around. I don't see nothing, said X-Ray. He took off his glasses, wiped them on his dirty clothes, and put them back on. See? Look at the little fishy, said Armpit. Chapter 11 Stanley returned to his hole. It wasn't fair. Mr. Pendanski had even said his fossil was interesting. He slammed his shovel into the ground and pried up another piece of earth. After a while, he noticed X-Ray had come by and was watching him dig. Hey, caveman, let me talk to you for a second, X-Ray said. Stanley put down his shovel and stepped up out of his hole. Say, listen, said X-Ray, if you find something else, give it to me, Okay. Stanley wasn't sure what to say. X-Ray was clearly the leader of the group, and Stanley didn't want to get on his bad side. You're new here, right? said X-Ray. I've been here for almost a year. I've never found anything. You know, my eyesight's not so good. No one knows this, but you know why my name's X-Ray? Stanley shrugged one shoulder. It's Pig Latin for Rex. That's all. I'm too blind to find anything. Stanley tried to remember how pig Latin worked. I mean, X-Ray went on. Why should you get a day off when you've only been here a couple days? If anyone gets a day off, it should be me. That's only fair, right? I guess, Stanley agreed. X-Ray smiled. You're a good guy, caveman. Hey, Hey, Siri. What's pig Latin for Ray? I can't translate into pig Latin yet. (gasps) Okay, Google. What's pig Latin for Ray? According to High Native, Rex in pig Latin is X-Ray. In English, X-Ray is a medical procedure. Another example, pig Latin is IGP, Aiden, Lay. So they were right. I mean, obviously, he did the research on it and all. I just wanted to check. I don't know. I never understood pig Latin. Makes my face hurt. People used to talk it around me, and I'd be like, I don't understand, and they talk it even more just to make me mad. Cousins are the worst sometimes. Stanley picked up his shovel. The more he thought about it, the more he was glad that he had agreed to let X-Ray have anything he might find. If he was going to survive at Camp Green Lake... It was far more important that X-Ray think he was a good guy than it was for him to get one day off. Besides, he didn't expect to find anything anyway. There probably wasn't anything of interest out there. And even if there was, he'd never been what you'd call lucky. He slammed his blade into the ground, then dumped out another shovel full of dirt. It was a little surprising, he thought, that X-Ray was the leader of the group, since he obviously wasn't the biggest or the toughest. In fact, except for Zero, X-Ray was the smallest. Armpit was the biggest. Zigzag may have been taller than Armpit, but that was only because of his neck. Yet Armpit and all the others seemed to be willing to do whatever X-Ray asked of them. As Stanley dug up another shovel full of dirt, it occurred to him that Armpit wasn't the biggest. He, the caveman, was bigger. He was glad they called him Caveman. It meant they accepted him as a member of the group. He would have been glad even if they had called him Barf Bag. It was really quite remarkable to him. At school, bullies like Derek Dunn used to pick on him. Yet Derek Dunn would be scared senseless by any of the boys here. As he dug his hole, Stanley thought about what it would be like if Derek Dunn had to fight Armpit or Squid. Derek wouldn't stand a chance. He imagined what it would be like if he became good friends with all of them. And then, for some reason, they all went with him to his school. And then Derek Dunn tried to steal his notebook. Just what do you think you're doing? Asked Squid as he slammed his hands in a Derek Dunn smug face. Caveman's our friend, said Armpit, grabbing him by the shirt collar. Stanley played the scene over and over again in his mind. Each time watching another boy from Group D beat up Derek Dunn. It helped him dig his hole and ease his own suffering. Whatever pain he felt was being felt ten times worse by Derek. Chapter 12 Again, Stanley was the last one to finish digging. It was late afternoon when he dragged himself back to the compound. This time he would have accepted a ride on the truck if he was offered. When he got to the tent, he found Mr. Pendanski and the other boys sitting in a circle on the ground. Welcome, Stanley, said Mr. Pendansky. Hey, caveman, you get your hole dug? asked Magnet. He managed to nod. You spitting it? asked Squid. He nodded again. You're right, he said to X-Ray. The second hole's the hardest. X-Ray shook his head. The third hole's the hardest, he said. Come join our circle, said Mr. Pendansky. Stanley plopped down between Squid and Magnet. He needed to rest up before taking a shower. We've been discussing what we want to do with our lives, said Mr Pendansky. We're not going to be at Camp Green Lake forever. We need to prepare for the day we leave here and join the rest of society. Hey, that's great, mom, said Magnet. They're gonna finally let you out of here? The other boys laughed. Okay, Jose, said Mr Pendansky. What do you want to do with your life? I don't know, said Magnet. You need to think about that, said Mr. Pendansky. It's important to have goals. Otherwise, you're going to end up right back in jail. What do you like to do? I don't know, said Magnet. You must like something, said Mr. Pendansky. I like animals, said Magnet. Good, said Mr. Pendansky. Does anyone know of any jobs that involve animals? Veterinarian, said Armpit. That's right, said Mr. Pendanski. He could work in a zoo, said Zigzag. He belongs in the zoo, said Squid. Then he and X-Ray laughed. How about you, Stanley? Any ideas for Jose? Stanley sighed. Animal trainer, he said. Like for the movies, or the circus, or something like that. Any of those jobs sound good to you, Jose? Asked Mr. Pendanski. Yeah, I liked what Caveman said about training animals for movies. I think it would be fun to train monkeys. X-Ray laughed. Don't laugh, Rex, said Mr. Pendansky. We don't laugh at people's dreams. Someone is going to have to train monkeys for the movies. Who are you kidding, Mom? asked X-Ray. Magnet's never going to be a monkey trainer. You don't know that, said Mr. Pendansky. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Nothing in life is easy, but that's no reason to give up. You'll be surprised what you can accomplish if you set your mind to it. After all, you only have one life, so you should try to make the most of it. Stanley tried to figure out what he'd say if Mr. Pendanski asked him what he wanted to do with his life. He used to think he wanted to work for the FBI, but this didn't seem the appropriate place to mention that. So far, you've all done a pretty good job of messing up your lives, said Mr. Pendansky. I know you think you're cool. He looked at Stanley. So you're a caveman now, huh? You like digging holes, caveman? Stanley didn't know what to say. Well, let me tell you something, caveman. You're here on account of one person. If it wasn't for that person, you wouldn't be here digging holes in the hot sun. You know who that person is? My no-good, dirty, rotten pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. The other boys howled with laughter. Even Zero smiled. It was the first time Stanley had ever seen Zero smile. He usually had such an angry expression on his face. Now he had such a huge smile it seemed almost too big for his face, like the smile on a jack-o'-lantern. No, said Mr. Pendanski. That person is you, Stanley. You're the reason you're here. You're responsible for yourself. You messed up your life, and it's up to you to fix it. No one else is going to do it for you. For any of you. Mr. Pendanski lived from one boy to another. You're all special in your own way, he said. You've all got something to offer. You have to think about what you want to do, and then do it. Even you, Zero. You're not completely worthless. The smile was now gone from Zero's face. What do you want to do with your life? Mr. Pendansky asked him. Zero's mouth was shut tight. As he glared at Mr. Pendansky. his dark eyes seemed to expand. What about it, Zero? Asked Mr. Pendansky? What do you like to do? I like to dig holes. Chapter 13 All too soon, Stanley was back out on the lake, sticking his shovel into the dirt. X-Ray was right. The third hole was the hardest. So was the fourth hole, and the fifth hole, and the sixth, and the... He dug his shovel into the dirt. After a while, he'd lost track of the day of the week, and how many holes he dug. It all seemed like one big hole, and it would take a year and a half to dig it. He guessed he had lost at least five pounds. He figured that in a year and a half, he'd be either in great shape, or else dead. He dug his shovel into the dirt. It couldn't always be this hot, he thought. Surely it got cooler in December. Maybe then they froze. He dug his shovel into the dirt. His skin had gotten tougher. It didn't hurt so much to hold the shovel. As he drank from his canteen, he looked up at the sky. A cloud had appeared earlier in the day. It was the first cloud he could remember seeing since coming to Camp Green Lake. He and the other boys had been watching it all day, hoping it would move in front of the sun. Occasionally, it got close, but it was just teasing them. His hole was waist deep. He dug his shovel into the dirt. As he dumped it out, he thought he saw something glisten as it fell onto the dirt pile. Whatever it was, it was quickly buried. Stanley stared at the pile for a moment, unsure if he'd even seen it. Even if it was something, what good would it do him? He promised to give anything he found an x-ray. It didn't seem worth the effort to climb out of his hole to check it out. He glanced up at the cloud, which was close enough to the sun that he had to squint to look at it. He dug his shovel back into the earth, scooped out some dirt, and lifted it over his dirt pile. But instead of dumping it there, he tossed it off to the side. His curiosity had gotten the better of him. He climbed up out of his hole and sifted his fingers through the pile. He felt something hard and metallic. He pulled it out. It was a gold tube, about as long and wide as the second finger on his right hand. The tube was open at one end and closed at the other. He used a few drops of his precious water to clean it. There seemed to be some kind of design on the flat, closed end. He poured a few more drops of water on it and rubbed it on the inside of his pants pocket. He looked again at the design engraved in the flat bottom of the tube. He could see an outline of the heart with the letters KB etched inside of it. He tried to figure out some way he wouldn't have to give it to X-Ray. He could just keep it, but that wouldn't do him any good. He wanted a day off. He looked at the large piles of dirt where X-Ray was digging. X-Ray was probably almost finished for the day. Getting the rest of the day off would hardly do him much good. X-Ray would have to show the tube to Mr. Sir, or Mr. Pendanski, who would then have to show it to the warden. By then, X-Ray might be done anyway. Stanley wondered about secretly trying to take the tube directly to the warden. He could explain the situation to the warden, and the warden might make him an excuse for giving him a day off, so X-Ray wouldn't suspect. He looked across a lake at the cabin under the two oak trees. The place scared him he had been at camp green lake almost 2 weeks and he still hadn't seen the warden that was just as well he could go his entire year and a half without seeing the warden and that would be fine with him besides he didn't know if the warden would find the tube interesting he looked at it again it looked familiar he thought he'd seen something like it somewhere before but couldn't quite place it what you got there, caveman? Asked Zigzag. Stanley's large hand closed around the tube. Nothing, just, uh, it was useless. I think I might have found something. Another fossil? No, I'm not sure what it is. Let me see, said Zigzag. Instead of showing it to Zigzag, Stanley brought it to X-Ray. Zigzag followed. X-Ray lifted the tube then rubbed his dirty glass on his dirty shirt and looked at the tube again. One by one, the other boys dropped their shovels and came to look. It looks like an old shotgun shell, said Squid. Yeah, that's probably what it is, said Stanley. He decided not to mention the engraved design. Maybe nobody would notice it. He doubted X-Ray could see it. No, it's too long and thin to be a shotgun shell, said Magnet. It's probably just a piece of junk, said Stanley. Well, I'll show it to Mom, said X-Ray. See what he thinks. Who knows? Maybe I'll get the day off. Your hole's almost finished, said Stanley. Yeah, so? Stanley raised and lowered his shoulder. So, why don't you wait until tomorrow to show it to Mom, he suggested. You can pretend you found it first thing in the morning. Then you can get the whole day off, instead of just an hour or so this afternoon. X-Ray smiled. Good thinking, caveman. He dropped the tube into his large pocket on the right leg of his dirty orange pants. Stanley returned to his hole. When the water truck came, Stanley started to take his place at the end of the line, but X-Ray told him to get behind Magnet, in front of Zero. Stanley moved up one place in line. Chapter 14 That night, as Stanley lay on his scratchy and smelly cot, he tried to figure out what he could have done differently, but there's nothing he could do. For once in his unlucky life, he was in the right place at the right time, and it still didn't help him. You got it? He asked X-Ray the next morning at breakfast. X-Ray looked at him with half-open eyes behind his dirty glasses. I don't know what you're talking about, he grumbled. You know, said Stanley. No, I don't, X-Ray snapped. So just leave me alone, okay? I don't want to talk to you. Stanley didn't say another word. Mr. Sir marched the boys out to the lake, chewing sunflower seeds along the way and spitting out the shells. He scraped the ground with his boot heel to mark where each boy was supposed to dig. Stanley stamped down on the back of the blade of the shovel, piercing the hard, dry earth. He couldn't figure out why x-rays snapped at him. If he wasn't going to produce the tube, why did he make Stanley give it to him? Was he going to keep it? The tube was gold in color, but Stanley didn't think it was real gold. The water truck came a little after sunrise. Stanley finished his last drop of water and stepped up out of his hole. At this time of day, Stanley sometimes could see some distant hills or mountains on the other side of the lake. They were only visible for a short while and would soon disappear behind the haze of heat and dirt. The truck stopped, and the dust cloud drifted past it. X-Ray took its place at the front of the line. Mr. Pendansky filled his canteen. Thanks, Mom, X-Ray said. He didn't mention the tube. Mr. Pendansky filled all the canteens, then climbed back into the cab of the pickup. He still had to bring water to Group E. Stanley could see them digging about 200 yards away. Mr. Pendansky! X-ray shouted from his hole. Wait! Mr. Pendansky! I think I might have found something! The boys all followed Mr. Pendansky as he walked over to X-ray's hole. Stanley could see the gold tube sticking out of some dirt on the end of X-ray's shovel. Mr. Pendansky examined it and took a long look at its flat bottom. I think the warden's going to like this. Does X-ray get the day off? asked Squid. Just keep digging until someone says otherwise, Mr. Pendansky said. Then he smiled. But if I were you, Rex, I wouldn't dig too hard. Stanley watched a cloud of dust move across the lake to the cabin beneath the trees. The boys in Group E were just going to have to wait. It didn't take long for the pickup to return. Mr. Pendanski stepped out of the cab. A tall woman with red hair stepped out of the passenger side. She looked even taller than she was, since Stanley was down in his hole. She wore a black cowboy hat and black cowboy boots, which were studded with turquoise stones. The sleeves on her shirt were rolled up, and her arms were covered with freckles, as was her face. She walked right up to X-Ray. This where you found it? Yes, ma'am. Your good work will be rewarded. She turned to Mr. Pendansky. Drive X-Ray back to camp. Let him take a double shower and give him some clean clothes. But first, I want you to fill everyone's canteen. I just filled them a little while ago, said Mr. Pendansky. The warden stared hard at him. Excuse me, she said. Her voice was soft. I had just filled them when Rex... Excuse me, the warden said again. Did I ask you when you last filled him? No, but it's just... Excuse me. Mr. Pendansky. stopped talking. The warden wiggled her finger for him to come to her. It's hot, and it's only going to get hotter, she said. Now these fine boys have been working hard. Don't you think it's possible that they might have taken a drink since you last built their canteens? Mr. Pendansky said nothing. The warden turned to Stanley. Caveman, will you come here, please? Stanley was surprised she knew his name. He had never seen her. Until she stepped out of the truck, he didn't even know the warden was a woman. He nervously went towards her. Mr. Pendanski and I have been having a conversation. Have you taken a drink since Mr. Pendansky last filled your canteen? Stanley didn't want to cause any trouble for Mr. Pendansky. I still have plenty left, he said. Excuse me. He stopped. Yeah, I drank some. "'Thank you. Master your canteen, please?' "'Stanley handed it to her. "'Her fingernails are painted dark red. "'She gently shook the canteen, "'letting the water swish inside the plastic container. "'Do you hear the empty spaces?' she asked. "'Yes,' said Mr. Pendansky. "'Then fill it,' she said. "'And the next time I tell you to do something, "'I expect you to do it without questioning my authority.' If it's too much trouble for you to fill a canteen, I'll give you a shovel. You can dig the hole, and the caveman can fill your canteen. She turned back to Stanley. I don't think that will be too much trouble for you, would it? No, said Stanley. So what will it be, she asked Mr. Pendansky, Do you want to fill the canteens, or do you want to dig? I'll fill the canteens, said Mr. Pendanski. Thank you. Chapter 15 Mr. Pendanski filled the canteens. The warden got a pitchfork out of the back of the pickup. She poked it through X-Ray's dirt pile to see if anything else might have been buried in there as well. After you drop off X-Ray, I want you to bring back three wheelbarrows, she said. X-Ray got in the pickup. As the truck pulled away, he leaned out the wide window and waved. Zero, said the warden. I want you to take over X-Ray's hole. She seemed to know that X-Ray was the fastest digger. Armpit and Squid? You'll keep digging where you've been, she said. But you're each going to have a helper. Zigzag, you help Armpit. Magna will help Squid. And Caveman, you'll work with Zero. We're going to dig the dirt twice. Zero will dig it out the hole. And Caveman will carefully shovel it into a wheelbarrow. Zigzag will do the same for armpit and the same with magnet and squid. We don't want to miss anything. If either of you find something, you'll both get the rest of the day off and a double shower. When the wheelbarrows are full, you are to dump them away from this area. We don't want any dirt piles to get in the way. The warden remained at the site for the remainder of the day, along with Mr. Pendanski and Mr. Sir, who showed up after a while. Occasionally, Mr. Sir would leave to take water to the other groups of campers, but otherwise, he and the water truck stayed parked there. The warden saw to it that nobody in Group D was ever thirsty. Stanley did as he was told. He carefully looked through all the dirt dug up by Zero as he shoveled it into the wheelbarrow, though he knew he wouldn't find anything. It was easier than digging his own hole. When the wheelbarrow was full, he took it a good distance away before dumping it. The warden couldn't keep still. She kept walking around, looking over the boys' shoulders and sticking her pitchfork through the dirt piles. You're doing fine, just fine, she told Stanley. After a while, she told the boys to switch places. So the Stanley, Zigzag, and Magnet dug in the holes, and Zero, Armpit, and Squid shoveled the excavated dirt into the wheelbarrows. After lunch, Zero took over the digging again and Stanley returned to the wheelbarrow. There's no hurry, the warden said several times. The main thing is to not miss anything. The boys dug until each hole was well over six feet deep and wide. Still, it was easier for two boys to dig a six-foot hole than it was for one boy to dig a five-foot hole. Alright, that's enough for today, the warden said. I've waited this long. I can wait another day. Mr. Sir drove her back to her cabin. I wonder how she knew all of our names, Stanley said as he walked back to the compound. She watches us all the time, said Zigzag. She's got hidden microphones and cameras all over the place. In the tents, the rec room, the shower. The shower? asked Stanley. He wondered if Zigzag was just being paranoid. The cameras are tiny, said Armpit. No bigger than the toenail on your little toe. Stanley had his doubts about that. He didn't think that they could make cameras that small. Microphones, maybe. He realized that was why X-Ray didn't want to talk to him about the gold tube at breakfast. X-Ray was afraid the warden might have been listening. One thing was for certain. They weren't just digging to build character. They were definitely looking for something. And whatever they were looking for... They were looking in the wrong place. Stanley gazed out across the lake, towards the spot where he had been digging yesterday when he found the gold tube. He dug that hole into his memory. Chapter 16 As Stanley entered the rec room, he could hear X-Ray's voice from all the way across the room. See what I'm saying? X-Ray said. Am I right or am I right? The other bodies in the room were little more than bags of flesh and bones, dumped across broken chairs and couches. X-Ray was full of life, laughing and waving his arms around as he talked. Yo, caveman, my man, he called out. Stanley made his way across the room. Hey, slide on over, squid, said X-Ray. Make room for the caveman. Stanley crashed on the couch. He had looked for a hidden camera in the shower. He hadn't seen anything and he hoped the warden had neither. Hey, what's the matter? asked X-ray. You guys tired or something? he laughed. Hey, keep it down, will you? groaned Zigzag. I'm trying to watch TV. Stanley glanced uncertainly at Zigzag, who was staring very intently at the busted television screen. The warden greeted the boys at breakfast the next morning and went with them to the holes. Four dug in the holes, and three tended to the wheelbarrows. "'Glad you're here, X-Ray,' she said to him. "'We need your sharp eyes.' Stanley spent more time pushing the wheelbarrow than digging, since he was such a slow digger. He carted away the excess dirt and dumped it in the previous dug holes. He was careful not to dump any of it in the hole where the gold tube was actually found. He could still see the tube in his mind. It seemed so familiar— but he just couldn't place it. He thought that it might have been a lid to a fancy gold pen. KB could have been the initials of a famous author. The only famous authors he could think of were Charles Dickens, William Shakespeare, and Mark Twain. Besides, it didn't really look like the top of a pen. By lunchtime, the warden was beginning to lose her patience. She made them eat quickly so they can get back to work. If you can't get them to work any faster, she told Mr. Sir, then you're going to have to climb down there and dig with them. After that, everyone worked faster, especially when Mr. Sir was watching them. Stanley practically ran when he pushed his wheelbarrow. Mr. Sir reminded them that they weren't Girl Scouts. They didn't quit digging until after every other group had finished. Later, as Stanley sat sprawled across an overstuffed chair, He tried to think of a way to tell the warden where the tube was really found, without getting himself or extra into trouble. It didn't seem possible. He even thought about sneaking out at night and digging in that hole by himself. But the last thing he wanted to do after digging all day was to dig at night, too. Besides, the shovels were locked up at night, presumably so they couldn't be used as weapons. Mr. Pendanski entered the rec room. Stanley! He called as he made his way to him. His name's Caveman, said X Ray. Stanley, said Mr. Pendansky. My name's Caveman, said Stanley. Well, I have a letter here for someone named Stanley Yelnats, said Mr. Pendansky. He turned over an envelope in his hands. It doesn't say Caveman anywhere. Uh, thanks, Stanley said, taking it. It was from his mother. Who's it from? Squid asked, your mother? Stanley put it in the big pocket of his pants. Aren't you going to read it to us? Asked Ormpit. Give him some space, said X-Ray. If Caveman doesn't want to read it to us, he doesn't have to. It's probably from his girlfriend. Stanley smiled. He read it later, after the other boys had gone to dinner. Dear Stanley, it was wonderful to hear from you. Your letter made me feel like one of the other moms who can afford to send their kids to summer camp. I know it's not the same, but I'm very proud of you for trying to make the best of a bad situation. Who knows? Maybe something good will come of this. Your father thinks he's real close to a breakthrough on the sneaker project. I hope so. The landlord is threatening to evict us because of the odor. I feel sorry for the little old lady who lived in the shoe. It must have smelled awful. Love from both of us. What's so funny? Zero asked. It startled him. He thought Zero had gone to dinner with the others. Nothing. Just something my mom wrote. What'd she say? Zero asked. Nothing. Oh, sorry, said Zero. Well, see, my dad is trying to invent a way to recycle old sneakers. So the apartment kind of smells bad because he's always cooking these old sneakers. So, anyway, in the letter, my mom said she felt sorry for that little old lady who lived in the shoe, you know, because it must have smelled bad in there. Zero stared blankly at him. You know, the nursery rhyme? Zero said nothing. You've heard the nursery rhyme about the little old lady who lived in the shoe? No. Stanley was amazed. How does it go? asked Zero. Didn't you ever watch Sesame Street? Stanley asked. Zero stared blankly. Stanley headed on to dinner. He would have felt pretty silly reciting nursery rhymes at Camp Green Lake. 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on... Uh Pod Chaser, you can leave a review for this episode or the show as a whole. You can also leave a review at Apple Podcasts and you can leave a review on um, Good Pods. What you can really do is leave a review on Pod Chaser, then cut and copy that review and paste it on Apple Podcasts. Then copy and paste that review in the Good Pods. Don't cut it from pod chaser because then you'll lose it from pod chaser and i need it there too so copy and paste it from PodChaser over to apple Podcasts, and then from there over to good pods and while you're at each of them go ahead and donate to good pods because we have a tip jar over there you can also donate at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast And I do want to thank y'all for donating because all the money you donate goes towards books and movies so I don't have to pay for them. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.